welcome to the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. I'm your host, Larry Witzel. Seventh-day Adventist churches grow differently, and our goal with this podcast is to offer practical training for effective evangelism in the Seventh-day Adventist ministry context. This episode features Jose Cortez Jr., who is Associate Ministerial Director for the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. He leads in NAD Ministerial's areas of evangelism, church planting, global mission, church growth, and mission to the cities. He has 25 years of experience in pastoring, youth and young adult ministries, soul winning, church planting, and leadership as a conference and union departmental director. I first met Jose eight years ago when we worked on the Bible Study Factory software together, and it's been amazing to see him grow in his role at NED Ministerial over the years. And we were incredibly honored to have him speak at the Propel Conference in 2023. In his presentation, Jose talks about some metrics that have been developed for measuring the health of churches in North America. He reveals statistics about how many churches are multiplying, how many are growing, how many have plateaued, and how many are declining across the division. He also talks about why churches die, and more importantly, the mindset required to help them grow. He also looks at the biblical method of baptism, suggesting that we consider it enrollment into the life of discipleship instead of a graduation from Bible studies. I heard from several attendees at the Propel Conference that this presentation was refreshing because it's an honest look at where we are as a denomination and a recognition that there are a lot of ways to do evangelism effectively. We hope you'll find this inspiring too, as you consider how you'll lead your church to grow and make an impact in your community. We'll hear from Jose Cortez Jr. in just a moment. Before we get to his presentation, though, I'd like to highlight the sponsor of this episode, Adventist Information Ministry. This is the epicenter of interest management for the North American Division of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, focusing on digital evangelism, interest tracking, and connecting media ministry interests to the local church. Adventist Information Ministry, or AIM, facilitates, empowers, and supports digital small group Bible studies, online communities, and digital evangelism. They also supervise and support a call service management system that links all institutions, departments, social media platforms, and digital ministries with the goal of caring for and ministering to people in broadcast and the digital space. The leader of this ministry is my friend Brent Harding, and we appreciate the support of Adventist Information Ministry for this episode of the Propel Podcast. You can learn more at AdventistInfo.org. Okay, let's get to the meat of this episode. Here is our opening presentation at the 2023 Propel Conference by Elder Jose Cortez Jr., entitled The State of the Church. So I have been asked to speak about the state of the church. And Larry, I don't know if you realize what you did to me when you asked me to speak about this. I'd like to, to stay with my subject. But I wish that, that we had asked a, an executive secretary, a, a conference president, an administrator to talk about these things because I'm more of an evangelist guy. All right? So evangelism guys, you know, we, we like to talk about good things. We, have, we like to bring good news. And at times when we need to talk about the state of the church, there might be some things that are worrisome. Am I making myself clear? So for the next few moments, I'm going to open my heart to you, 
I'm going to share some things, some things that are concerning. I'm also going to share some hope. And I pray, as I speak from my heart, that you will be blessed and that you will live here tonight with the hope that the mission ahead of us is not an impossible mission because Jesus is with us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we're about to share some important things. We're about to share some of the statistics that let us know how we're doing as a church. And I want to pray that you will use me tonight. Holy Spirit, I know that you're here. I want to ask you to be with me and to use me tonight. I do not deserve to be used by you. I am a sinner. And as a matter of fact, most of us, all of us right here in this place, we're all sinners. If it wasn't for Jesus and his death on the cross of Calvary for us, we would not even deserve to be here. But we thank you, Jesus, for that death and for that resurrection. And we thank you because through you we can be saved. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to use me tonight. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. A few years ago, we started having a conversation that in reality uh, we had all been talking about, but we had been talking about it quietly. We kept saying that a lot of our churches were dying. We kept saying that a lot of our churches were in real bad shape. We kept saying that we didn't have many churches that, that, that were growing and, and doing well in North America. And, and finally we decided, hey, why, why can't just we create something, a, a measure, measuring tool to let us know how we're doing in North America? That way we are not going to just be talking anecdotally, but we'll know how we're doing. So together with a group of uh, pastors and evangelism leaders and church planting leaders and some administrators, we got together. And it took us a long time to come up with this measuring tool. And to this day, we do not think it's perfect, but it's something that we have. It's a great beginning to see how we're doing as a church. And we started saying, maybe, you know, we, we can ca categorize our churches in four different types of, of, in four different groups, multiplying, growing, plateauing, and declining. We started with five groups. We had a group that was dying, but when we got together and we started talking about it, some people in the team said, you know, we cannot have churches that are dying, and if we put it like that and we tell a church you're dying, they might feel too bad, and they might just go ahead and die, you know, which, uh, you know, some people thought it might be a good thing for some churches just to, to be buried, but, but we said, hey, listen, we do not want to discourage anyone. We want to use this as a measuring tool that will help and bless our churches. So this tool right here is not to discourage you. It's not to discourage the church in North America. It is more like a visit to the doctor. Amen? You go to the doctor to see how you're doing. And if you don't go to the doctor, you're still, you still have the same condition. I am one of those that takes a long time to ever get to the doctor because I, I am afraid of the bad news. But, but listen up, everybody. It is okay at times to hear some bad news that we might be able to do something and get better. Amen? So we talked about the four churches, and, and we came up with uh, some criteria uh, to uh, see uh, what our churches look like in North America. First of all, this is the multiplying church. The multiplying church is a church that has sponsored a church plant in the last seven years. It's a church that uh, its attendance uh, it's, it's, it baptizes 7% of its attendance. Listen up, we do have a little bit of an attendance problem in North America. 
If you talk to Brian Ford, he's uh, here somewhere, and uh, he's a director of e-Adventist for the North American Division, he will tell you that the attendance in our churches is somewhere between 35 to 50 percent of our membership, which means that if you have 100 members, your attendance most likely will be somewhere around 50, between 35 and 50. So we, uh, we talked about all of those things when we were coming up with this criteria, criteria and we said, all right, uh, we're not going to uh, talk about baptisms according to membership. We'll talk about baptisms according to uh, attendance, which means that if you have 200 members, you have 100 in attendance, uh, 7% will be seven people, baptizing seven people in a year. And the same thing will happen to the annual attendance growth. It will be a 7%. And some people were saying, that's too low. That's too low. But, but we're going to see in a few moments how we're doing. And you see some of the other clues might be a median age of membership that is less than 50 or an NCD score that is 65 or above. Let's go to the growing church. Growing church. A church that uh, baptizes 2% of its attendance. So if you have 200 members, and I'm making all of these numbers easy because I'm not a good mathematician, all right? So uh, I went to the seminary. I didn't do real good in math. So 200 members, that means that about 100 will be in attendance. Uh, how many baptisms will there be a year? Help me out. Two, all right. Some of you did well in math. All right, very good. And some other clues might be a median age of membership that is less than 50 and an NCD average. NCD is National Church Development for those churches that do National Church Development, a score that is 50 to 65. Let's continue moving to the Plateauan Church. Plateauan Church is a church that has one baptism to 2% of the attendance annually. And the attendance is between minus 2%. In other words, you have 200 members, 100 attending. So your attendance may fluctuate between 98 and 102. And the median age of a congregation is between 55 and 65. And the NCD average is a little bit lower. And last but not least, we have the declining church. Attendance declining over minus 2 percent in a year and no baptisms during the last year. These are our four types of churches. Where do you think your church is right now? I know some of you are thinking. I'm not going to tell you how your particular church is, but if you'd like to know, you can visit with Brian Ford right out there. He has a booth, and he will be able to help you out. But I can give you a little bit of an idea of how the North American Division, all of us as a whole, how we're doing. In 2017, this is prior to the pandemic, the North American Division, according to the criteria that I just mentioned here, the North American Division had 53% decline in churches. We had 15% plateauing churches, only 32% of our churches were growing, and we had about 35 churches that were multiplying. That's, that was in 2017. I'm not going to go into 2018, 2019, 2020. It got real bad with the pandemic because we lost all of our attendance. But I'm going to come now to 2022, uh, last year, our latest numbers. And we're doing a little bit better, a little bit better than 2017. Look at 2017. Now look at 2022. We have 52% declining, 11 plateauing, 
We have 36% of our churches from 32 to 36. It went up a little bit more, and we have about 74 multiplying churches. And of course, I realize that there are some churches that do not report. It is important. It is important to be able to report so that way we know how we're doing and we're able to see our condition. Amen, everybody? Not just for the sake of numbers, but we want to know how we're doing as a church. Now, quickly, I'm going to mention a little bit about the North, uh, North Pacific Union Conference. Uh, since we are in this territory. In 2017, this is how the North Pacific Union was doing. All right? You can see it's a little bit uh, below the, the, the average of a North American division. Uh, but in 2022, the North Pacific Union is doing much better than it was doing in 2017. And that is a reason to say amen. All right? Amen. Now you will ask, how do you feel when you have to report these numbers? May I return the question to you and ask you, how do you feel? Does this cause any type of concern? Does it make you feel a little bit strange to know that the church of God the church that God has placed here for these special times in which we live, that we have churches that are declining, that we have churches that are plateauing. But I believe that it is an important responsibility of a leader to establish reality, and that is the reason why we have to talk about these things. So this is the state of our church in North America. This is the state of our church in the North Pacific Union, and we could talk about all of our unions, because in reality, the combination of all of our unions and of all of our conferences and of, uh, of all of our churches is what we report for the North American Division. So it reflects us. It is a snapshot. It is a picture of how we're doing. But we're here. We're here tonight because we want to find some hope. We're here tonight because we want to think and we want to believe that the God that we serve, the God that called this church into existence, the God that called you to ministry, the God that saved you and, and called you to serve in one of our local churches, that he has the power to somehow turn this around. Can someone say Amen. And quickly, I want to share with you some of the reasons why churches die before I give you some of the things that I believe can be a blessing for us. Churches die because there is no community-focused ministry, very little outreach. Churches die because the budget for members' needs keeps increasing while the uh, budget for mission keeps decreasing. Does this sound familiar, everybody? Uh, we need to do this in the church, and we need to do this, and we need to, uh, to, to, to do this type of enrichment. And it is okay to, to have a budget and to invest money in the church members, but we need to realize that the church exists for those who are not here yet. Can someone say amen? Ah! Churches die because there is lack of evangelism emphasis. Churches die because members argue more and more about their preferences. As I go across North America, I hear people arguing about all kinds of things. The other day, I was somewhere in Brooklyn, New York, and as I was entering the church, uh, there was a group of uh, uh, members in the lobby of the church. It was a, a, a Sabbath afternoon, a, a group of members in the lobby of the church arguing about a very important subject, and they asked me my opinion of it. They were arguing about whether the angels go to the bathroom or not. Ah, who cares? 
And they asked me, Pastor Jose, what do you think? And I said, I don't care about whether they go to the bathroom or not. Look at all of those people who are walking outside the street. And you guys are wasting your time right here talking about stuff that, stuff. And to say what I said. Churches die because members don't pray together. And churches die because they do not have a clarity as to why they exist. And they tend to idolize another era. When pastor so-and-so was here, have you ever heard that? Those were the good times. When, when those were the golden times of the church. church those, and it always seems that the best times are behind us. So question, why are we here? Why are you here? Jack, why do you make it to this place? It's good to see you, Jack, after so many years. You look handsome as always, just with a little bit of gray hair. We went to school together. It's good to see you, Jack. Do we have a silver bullet? What can we do to make this situation better? How can we turn this around? I don't have a silver bullet, but I'd like to offer two suggestions. Number one, the Holy Spirit. We cannot start talking about church growth or church revitalization or evangelism or anything that has to do with souls unless we first claim the promise of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I am here tonight to remind you that we still, in the midst of, the, of 2023, uh, just after a pandemic that, that closed some of our churches for a while, uh, in a time in which we have a, a racial tensions in our, in our country and in our territory, in a time when we have tremendous political turmoil, I am here to, to let you know, to remind you that the Holy Spirit is still available to you and to me and to our church. Amen. So perhaps before we deal with any strategies or, or any uh, um, uh, new things or ways of doing things or methods, the first thing that we need to do is to go to the Holy Spirit and ask for His presence in our lives, in our ministry, and ask for His power that we might be able to start making the difference that God wants us to make in our territory. Amen? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Portland, and in Vancouver, ah, and in Seattle, and in Idaho. Am I making myself clear? And to the ends of the earth. Amen? So that's number one. Number two, evangelism. It is interesting that a lot of our problems in our churches go away when we start talking to the Holy Spirit and asking for His presence, and when we start getting really concerned about those who are not here yet, and we begin to do something about it. Amen? So in our team, we started talking a few years ago, and we said, how can we encourage people to do evangelism if we don't know what it is? And we started working on a definition of evangelism for the North American division, and, and this is a working definition. It can still get better. If you have an idea, uh, you know, um, feel free to share with us. But this is a definition of evangelism that it has been vetted by thousands of pastors and elders and leaders of the church. Uh, this is a definition that, that we've come up with for evangelism in North America, and it is to reach and to reclaim and to retain Retain means those who are baptized, make sure that we keep them. 
Reclaim means that those who are, uh, were with us before and have left and have gone somewhere, how we can bring them back. To reach is bringing those who haven't been here yet to reach, reclaim, and retain the people of North America with Jesus' mission. What is Jesus' mission? That's what he did for people. He loved people. He treated them with love. He, he met their needs. That's the mission of Jesus. Amen. Evangelism cannot exist without the mission of Jesus. Amen. Amen. But evangelism cannot exist without the message of Jesus. Amen. There is, listen up, there is no substitute for compassion, but there is also no substitute for proclamation. Amen. You love people. And when you love people, eventually people will ask, why do you love me so much? And that is the time to tell them about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Some of us love people but forget to proclaim Jesus. And some of, us, some of us proclaim Jesus but forget to love people. So when we don't have both, show and tell we don't have evangelism complete. Amen? Amen. Loving people is awesome. If you don't love people, they're not going to follow you. If you don't love people, they won't want to hear you. You actually earn the right to be heard when you love them. Amen? Nobody wants to be in a place where they teach them truth, but they don't love them. Is that clear? So that's the mission of Jesus. But then, I want to say this, compassion, loving people, it's not a substitute for proclamation. There is always a need for proclamation when it comes to reaching people and bringing people to the feet of Jesus. Amen? Yeah, amen? At some point, you need to let them know that there is a God, that he loves them, that he wants to save them, that he's coming again, that he's going to resurrect those, uh, all of those things. If you don't tell them, they cannot learn it just by you loving them. Amen? So, if you're going to do evangelism, in order to do good evangelism, you need to love people and you need to proclaim Jesus. Amen? Amen. So a pastor or evangelist will be someone who reaches, reclaims, and retains the people of his or her territory with Jesus' mission, a message of compassion hope, and wholeness. Let me see. I see someone right here. My brother and sister, uh, what city are you from? What's, what's your community? Yes, the two of you. It seems that you're in the same city, the same community. You look very close to each other, so I am, I'm assuming that you're in the... All right, tell me. Birkins, Oregon. So for you, it will be to reach and reclaim and retain the people of... All right, there you go. All right, let me see. Over there, I see a pastor over there. Pastor, uh, where are you pastoring right now? I know that you just transitioned. Where are you now? All right, Forest Grove. All right. Uh, is that the name of the city? Is that the name? All right. So for you, it would be to reach and reclaim and retain the people of Forest Grove with Jesus' mission and message of compassion, hope, and wholeness. And I want to say this. When you are calling to a church, my dear pastor, and I'm talking to pastors right now, you're not just the pastor of a church, you are the pastor of your community, you're the pastor of your city. Amen? Amen. Don't think when you go somewhere that you're just there to, to minister to those who are inside the walls of your church, you're there to actually reach those who are not inside the walls of a church. Amen? Amen. Ha! Yeah, but I'm not a pastor. I'm an elder. Same thing. Uh, same thing. Pastor, I'm just a church member. What do you mean just a church member? We don't have just church members. We have disciples of Jesus. Amen? 
So the work that God has called you to do is not a work that is merely inside the church with those who are saved. It's also outside the walls of your church with those who are not here yet. Amen? Amen. So why are we here? Let me tell you, in response to that question, why we're not here. We're not here to be apologetic, listen up, about one way of doing proclamation evangelism. And now you're looking at me very seriously and quiet. Let me explain what I mean. In my life as a pastor, I've done proclamation evangelism, proclamation evangelism for six weeks. I've done it for four weeks. I've done it for three weeks. Recently, I've done it for one week. And just the other day, I was in Tampa for a celebration of evangelism during a weekend. And you will say, why a weekend? Let me tell you why a weekend. Because the church had been working for two or three months with small groups. And they have been leading a lot of people to Jesus. So all they needed at that point was a weekend to, to harvest, to reap the work that they had already done. So I, isn't that beautiful when the church does the work? So I just came by, preached four times during the weekend, uh, and there were people that were ready to be baptized, and, but there were some other people that were coming to church with those, uh, to accompanying those who, who were going to be baptized. Uh, and during the appeals, you know, some people kept coming. Uh, and I looked at the pastor of the church, and the pastor of the church said, let's baptize him, and we baptize him. Amen. Ha! It kind of felt like the, like the New Testament when people came to, 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 the, to the river and they got baptized. Amen. And, and the other day, let me explain why I'm saying this. I was sharing this experience with one of my colleagues. And I said it was so beautiful doing this. Uh, I may have to do this more often. Uh, and he said, well... Because sometimes for us as pastors, it is hard for us to accept what God does through all the pastors. Amen? <laughs> Those of you who are laughing, you know what I'm talking about. Happens to me all the time. I'm going to be vulnerable. At times when I see another pastor doing really, really well, I'm like, man, how come he's doing that well and I can't do that? I'm being very vulnerable right now. And is he doing better than me? Let's remember these colleagues, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about souls for the kingdom, amen? amen. Ah, it's all right. So I'm talking to my colleague and sharing this beautiful experience that I had in Tampa, Florida, where people kept coming, people kept coming, you know. I, I gave him two, two options when I made that appeal. I said, you know, you can be baptized in the weeks to come. But the baptistry is here and the pastor is here right now. You can be baptized right now. And there were some that were actually saying, I want to be baptized right now. And the church had extra changes of clothes so they could get baptized right now. They were ready for it. 
And that amen was so weak, but it's okay. You know, you get it at some point. Let me say this. I shared that with my colleague, the pastor. And his reply was, man, was that an Adventist church or a Baptist church just bringing people off the streets? That sounds like a Baptist church bringing people off the streets. And I said to him, no, no, that sounds more like Pentecost when people were baptized, were baptized as they accepted Jesus. Amen. Amen. We are not here to be apologetic for one way of doing evangelism. Let me say one thing. Whatever brings souls to the kingdom, it is okay to do as evangelism. Amen. Amen. If it brings souls to the kingdom, if people are being baptized and they are becoming disciples of Jesus and they are being added into your church daily as it was in the book of Acts, it is evangelism. Amen. Amen. Don't let anyone tell you, you know, you have to do it this way. Fight in your own armor. At times I think that one of the biggest disservices that we have done to evangelism in Adventism is that we chose several people who were doing real well with a little bit extra budget, more budget than the rest of us, and a little bit more support than the rest of us. And we said, this is the way to do evangelism. You got to do it like this person does it. Am I making myself clear? But when I come to you tonight, and as I see the, ro- the, the roster of speakers that you're going to have throughout this week, I can tell that this conference is not just to be apologetic about one way of doing evangelism. This conference is about making sure that we're doing whatever it takes to bring people to the kingdom of Jesus. Amen? So if it brings people to the kingdom, if it helps people to become disciples of Jesus, if people are being baptized and they are being discipled, it is evangelism. Amen? We're here to see what's working. If it is working, it's okay to take a look at it. So in the name of Jesus, when you hear speakers, like you're hearing me right now, don't criticize. Open up your mind. Let the Holy Spirit stretch you. Amen? Perhaps we can learn Something that we can do in order to be more effective to be, to be evangelists for Jesus. We're here to encourage each other to do something that works for us. Amen? Don't be like Saul. Saul wanted David to use his armor to kill the giant, while Saul had not been able to kill the giant with his own armor. Is that clear, everybody? Do you get that? So don't be like Saul in your own armor. God has given you an armor. Make sure that it is used for the kingdom. So I want to get ready to close here asking a few questions. What if? And as I say this, you're a pastor. Don't feel singled out. This is just share vision. What if? What if as Adventist pastors, each one of us, and not only us, but each able leader, I'm talking about elders and volunteer lay pastors, in the North American division, let some type of proclamation, some type, in your armor, some type of proclamation experience at least once a year. I have seen pastors who have told me, Pastor Jose, If we do it once a year, we're missing the mark. How about every Sabbath? 
And I've seen some pastors in North America that every Sabbath, they treat it as an evangelistic meeting. Amen? And every Sabbath, there are appeals. And every Sabbath, there, are, there is love for the guests. And every Sabbath, there is special worship. And every Sabbath, there is something special that leads people to Jesus. What if each one of us gave multiple opportunities for people and multiple invitations for people to come to Jesus regularly? What if each Adventist church in the North American division, we have more churches than we have pastors? What if each church will actively participate in some type of annual proclamation experience? Uh, uh, what if rather than, uh, than making baptism so difficult, uh, what if we will become more biblical facilitators of baptism? Can someone say amen? amen? The other day I was at a pastor's meeting and we were talking about evangelism. Uh, and there was a, a, a renowned evangelist in the room. He was talking and he said, I do not baptize anyone with a wedding band on. And I looked at my wedding band, and I tried to hide it in my pocket quickly. And I, but then I put my hand out, and I said, in whose name is he saying this? Who gave him permission to say that? Where in the Bible does he find? Do you know what's the most common reply in Adventism when someone tells you, I want to be baptized? Are you sure? Can you imagine going into a restaurant, uh, getting ready to, to, to sit down and enjoy the meal, and you get to the receptionist, and you said, I need a table for two. Ah. And the receptionist asked, they asked the question, are you sure? Are you sure you want to come in here? What would you think? Do you know what's another very common reply when people say, I want to be baptized in Adventism? You're not ready yet. And I feel that every time that we say to someone who, who, whom the Holy Spirit has convicted to be baptized, we tell them, you're not ready yet. In reality, what we're saying is, we're not ready for you yet. Ah. What if we would stay with them after baptism? At times we think that our job is done once that person gets out of the water, and we don't realize that once that person comes out of the water, they are just babies in Christ. Amen? Yeah. And babies in Christ, you have to burp them, yeah. and you have to feed them. Yeah. And let me say it in order. You have to feed them, then you have to burp them, then you have to change them. Ha! It is a messy situation. But bringing sinners to the kingdom of Jesus is a messy situation. Am I making myself clear tonight, church? What if we would stay with them and help them grow so they could become reproducing and multiplying adults in Jesus? Amen? What if every pastor and every church made an intentional and substantial effort to reconnect with missing members? We have so many missing members out there. And you know that in studies that has been, have been done, um, members of people who have left the church have been asked, would you be willing to come back? And about 91% of them have said that they have no major objection to coming back if the church would pursue them and love them. Only 9% have said that they want nothing to do with the church. You know how many ex-Adventists we have out there, including many of our kids? What if we, what if we try to love them back into the church. Yes. 
And we have something that we've been working on for a few years, and it's the Elder Baptism Day. And I know that for some of your churches, this may be normal, but we're trying to make sure that our elders across North America uh, become a part of, of celebrating those moments in which people that they have brought to Jesus get baptized, and they get to baptize those people that they, are, they have brought to Jesus and they're willing to disciple. Amen? So some conferences do it a lot more than that, but for us, uh, you know, we have one day that has been designated as Elder Baptism Day across North America, which is October 21, 2023. Let me close with this. Jesus, right before he left, he had died, he had resurrected, he spent a little time with the disciples, and right before he left, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That was the last instructions, all right? Go and make disciples. And then he told us how to make disciples. It's there very clearly. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, Son and Holy Spirit, and teaching them. Teaching them anything I have commanded you. Listen up. He said, teaching them anything I have taught you, anything I have commanded you. He didn't say, teaching them all of your traditions. Amen? Ah, is that clear, everybody? And this is in red. It's white here, but in my Bible, it's in red. That means that Jesus said it. Amen? Amen. And then he said something else. He said something else that we usually forget. When we talk about the Great Commission, we forget about the last part. Because you're telling me, Jose baptizing, reaching someone for Jesus nowadays in the Pacific Northwest, one of the most post-Christian areas of North America, is impossible. It's difficult. But then he said, look it up. And surely, I am with you always. Amen? I grew up thinking that there will be a time when I would not have Jesus with me, that I would have to fend on my own. And that horrified me. But Jesus, in his own words, and if he said it, he said it. He said, I know it's difficult to make disciples. I know it's going to be difficult to make disciples during those days. Pastor De Leon, I know it's going to be very hard to make disciples. But remember this, I am with you always. Ha! I am with you always. And then for those of us that don't understand what always means, he clarified it. He said, always means all the way to the end of the age. Till I come in the clouds of heaven, I will be with you. Amen? So we're not alone. We're not alone. I close with this. Don't talk yourself out of reaching people for Jesus because others have given up. Amen? When other people say it is impossible, let that be something that drives you and that fuels you to want to do it. Amen? Don't talk yourself out of doing evangelism because others are not doing it. You know what? My dad always tells me this. You know, I, I asked him, you know, uh, what, what, since I began my, my ministry, I would ask my dad, what do you think is the best plan? What do you think is the best method? And one day my dad said this to me, and that caught my attention and stayed with me for, for, for the rest, up to this day. He said, the, the worst plan is no plan. Ha! The worst plan is no plan. I still, I still need to have my, my slides up for a few more moments, all right? My, my worst plan, the worst plan is no plan. My dad said that to me. He says, do something 
do something in the name of Jesus. And, and usually, when you do something in the name of Jesus, Jesus will bless it. Amen? Amen. So please, in the name of Jesus, don't talk yourself out of doing evangelism simply because some people are not doing evangelism. And I close with this. I was asked to speak about the state of a church. I want to finish by saying this. The state of a church does not have to be what it is. Amen? Amen. We don't need to have 60-some percent of our churches declining or plateauing. It can be better. The state of a church does not need to be what it is. The state of a church can be what you and your church pray and envision the state of your church to be. Amen and amen. One of the things that we did at the Propel Conference was the practice of reflection. Don't just take in this fire hose of information. Stop for a moment and think about how this could be applied to your ministry. At the Propel Conference, we even offered some reflection questions for you to consider. So right now, I'd like you to pause and reflect on what you heard in this episode. What was the big idea for you? How will you apply this in your ministry context? When this episode finishes in another minute or so, I encourage you to pause for five or 10 minutes and just let your mind wander. This reflection time can be really powerful. Okay, that's it for this episode. Special thanks to Elder Jose Cortez Jr. for being at the 2023 Propel Conference. This has been the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. The Propel Podcast is sponsored by the North Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and is produced by the crew at Sermon View Evangelism Marketing. I'm Larry Witzel, wishing you God's richest blessing in your evangelistic journey. Please join us again next time for another episode of The Propel Podcast. Mm-hmm.